0: You know, you got to think, are you available to people in your life? And not just because it's an obligation, not just because you're thinking that you should do that, but because you want to be reliable and reachable. And one way to make that also healthy is to take care of your own cup, I call it, right? To really watch the level of your overwhelm so that you can be available for somebody else. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Privil Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, Relationships. Let's talk about. It. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Emotional Availability in Relationships. It's a monologue, and you will be listening to me explore this topic. And before I tell you more about this episode, I want to give you an announcement. This is my one year anniversary show. I started last year, September 23rd, and I am thrilled. I made myself a pledge, an internal pledge, that I would do this for at least a year, and I've kicked it out every week for a year. As a matter of fact, this is episode 58. And I want to keep going. So I hope you're happy about that. <laughs> it's important for me to do some appreciations right now to my family and to my friends for all the wonderful support and the encouragement that they've been giving me over this last year. And a big thank you to my professional production team from Oxbus and Podcast Network Solutions to Dan and Kate, Iris and Dawn for staying with me and helping me put out high quality content. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you all, my listeners, for listening and also for sharing the podcast to other people. I know that the way that you're doing it and also I've asked for reviews in the past on Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. And since it's the one-year anniversary, I get to read one of them. This is from Three Moon Goddess. And they say, I was attracted to his podcast on relationships because of the subjects he takes on. I wish I knew how to bookmark throughout his talks because he makes so many steps clear and easy, like how to give a solid apology, and allows someone the space to process it and permission for the vice versa. He brings on some great guests and wonderfully strong women like his wife. Mm -hmm. I also look forward to the podcast with them both as they dance beautifully and honest in their conversations. In these podcasts, he's open to being vulnerable and sharing where he and they have struggled themselves, even with all these years of practice. It's encouraging to hear how he will come back to the table with something and explore it again with new understanding of communication. If you want to grow your relationships across the board, I would recommend listening and taking notes. Mm, Thank you. So please keep supporting the podcast with your reviews. There's many people that have donated to my podcast to make it keep going. And if you're pulled to do so, you can check out my website at heartsharecounseling.com. Go to the support the podcast page and you can leave a monthly donation or a one-time donation. So on today's episode, I talk about what is being emotionally available and even to yourself, what that looks like. I explore why people are emotionally unavailable and the challenges that surface in their relationships as well as some ways to transform that. And of course, I tell stories from my own life to demonstrate some issues that I discuss. And before we get on to that episode, talking about support, I wanna thank my sponsors, and I have a new sponsor this week, Farm to Home Milk. Farm to Home Milk is an Asheville-based milk distribution company of grass-fed GMO-free milk. They serve many of Asheville's local restaurants and coffee shops. You can buy the milk at Whole Foods or the French Broad Food Co-op. The secret of this company's success is their focus on the personal relationships that they have with their customers. On the side of their trucks is the phrase "Compassion is Possible." This is how they aim to be in a relationship of sustenance. So check them out at Farm to Home Milk. And of course, I want to thank my other sponsor, Gyro Creative. Gyro Creative is an identity studio out of Detroit, Michigan, owned and operated by dear friends of mine, Angela and Matt. They are not an advertising agency or a marketing consultancy, they are an artist led studio, and they help clients define who they are and how they are known. And together with their clients, they develop identities that inspire people to connect to a greater meaning. Identities that incite action, build culture, unite community, and promote change. So check them out at gyrocreative.com. All right, everybody. So let's get it. Let's get down to the episode, Emotional Availability in Relationships. Hey everybody, welcome. I am really excited to talk about this topic on emotional availability because it has been up for me. I want to be more and more emotionally available in my life. It just juices me. It brings me alive even in the challenges and the uncomfortableness. I want to be available especially to myself of understanding what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling. I really want to really get to know me and on a continuous basis of this growth because I think it's so important that we know ourselves well so that we can share ourselves more clearly with others. We can tell people where we're at, what's going on for us, what we're feeling, and in accessing that, that is being emotionally available to ourselves so that we can be emotionally available to others. And it's so important to me for my connections with my family, with my friends, with my wife, and also with other people in my life that's more on the periphery. The people that I just come in contact with at work or just in my life, I don't want to also separate myself from not being emotionally available at times for an experience with another person. You know, I think that some people think emotional availability is just basically being aware and understanding your own emotions and the emotional world so that you can understand somebody else's. That's part of it, that's definitely part of it. But what I see that's more about emotional availability is really being there when it's really challenging and it's really hard, when somebody says something to you that you don't wanna hear, that doesn't coincide with your sense of reality or the perception of your experience, and that we just want to run, we wanna get away from it, we don't wanna go there because of the possibility of not being seen, not being heard, not being understood. So part of emotional availability that especially I see working with couples is when one partner has a really difficult feeling that they're expressing, the other one might shut down. They don't wanna hear that, that they don't wanna make their availability to hear the other person's emotions. They may not agree with it. They may have a different perception of it. They just don't wanna be, because it's so uncomfortable at times, especially, If that other person's emotions is about us, disapproval, anger, frustration, then it can be very difficult to be emotionally available to that other person to hear. So it might be very difficult to be emotionally available for that other person to express themselves. So again, what I see as a big part of emotional availability is especially being in the hard stuff. Why don't people allow themselves to be there? Because of past hurts. I mean, we all know that. We all know the aspect of rejection or maybe having a bad breakup, childhood challenges. Maybe some people were abused physically, emotionally, sexually. So we shut down and we protect ourselves. That's also one reason why some people are not emotionally available because it's so much more important for them to protect where they're at, what they're feeling, and their emotions so that they don't get hurt. And as we all know, we all do it. The genders do it. Not just men that are challenged with emotional unavailability, but also women too. And yet it can be a little different because generally emotional availability in men is different than in women both because of society's conditioning and because men mostly experience interpersonal bonding differently than most women. But men do feel, and they feel deeply and emotionally. And I had this experience when I was, oh gosh, maybe nine years old in 1971 that really shifted my perspective about the level that men feel. I was with my father, and we were at an exercise club that we used to go to, and they were also in another room showing a movie. It was a TV movie called Brian's Song. So I'm dating myself, so some of you might know this. It is about a true story of two football players on the Chicago Bears, Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. It went through the challenges that they had of becoming friends. And they became very, very, very close friends throughout trials and tribulations. Brian Piccolo contracted cancer, and he ended up dying from cancer. In the movie, Billy D. Williams, who plays Gail Sayers, was giving a speech, and he was choking up. And he was feeling some emotion, trying to hold it back and be strong. But he allowed himself to feel it. And there was one point where he said, I love Brian Piccolo. And this Brian song started coming on. And the sentimentalness of that. I looked around and almost all of the men, 15 or 20 men, were crying. Some of them were weeping. And it's really interesting because I went to look at how can I get that movie? Because I want to show it to my son. I looked on YouTube and some of the comments to it are things like, um, every time I see this, I cry. Another man says, raw emotion and love between two men. Awesome. Another person says, this movie made me cry for a week. I was a little kid when I saw it, and I will never forget it. So that gives me hope for men. (laughs) Just when I was younger and I saw that, the emotional world of men, but we just have a really difficult time expressing it because, of course, we men think of emotions as weak, maybe women's territory. We're not taught that it is tremendously courageous, to feel vulnerability and to feel our emotions. It's not weak at all. It takes tremendous amount of strength. That's why a lot of men don't do it, because it's not easy, it's hard. So I do think that men, of course, have the capabilities to feel many of these emotions and real challenging emotions. But the way that men usually have related to each other is not in the connecting way that women do not in a way to be seen and heard and understood, to be supported the way that women usually support each other. Men are used to the aspect, again, of bonding, and bonding is usually around an activity, whether it's a sports activity, maybe it's fixing a car. How many movies have you seen where you see men doing an activity, and that's where they start talking about their vulnerability? Maybe talking about their challenge in their marriage, or their sick child it usually comes up and they share it in the activity so at a times when perhaps a partner sits down a man and wants him to share tell me what you're feeling tell me what's going on for you we're not used to that that feels like a confrontation at times I actually am used to it and I really love it I I got comfortable with the uncomfortable I like the intimate aspect of looking at somebody and sharing, but a lot of men feel intimidated. That's a way for intimidation to occur, right? Interrogation. So when a woman sits a man down and asks how he feels, one, it's really challenging to make eye contact. Men get overwhelmed faster than women do emotionally. And they're definitely not feeling a bonding going on. They're not doing an activity. So it's stressful for men to share at that time. So it may be really good to take more walks together. That's one way that probably your man is going to share with you. I know I love taking drives with my wife and we have wonderful conversations, especially when it's a leisurely drive. That's another way to create that sacred space to be able to be heard in a different way. And of course, emotional unavailability is not just in men's territory. We all know that. There's a lot of women that have challenges of emotionally opening up. And a lot of that, of course, is protection. Just like I said before, of the things that may happen in somebody's past, that they're protecting themselves from sharing their feelings because of hurts and rejections. And also, one reason why people aren't emotionally available We never learned it. It wasn't modeled. So it's really challenging to do something and express yourself in a comfortable way when we didn't see it growing up. Many parents, they had good intentions, but they had a lot going on and whatever stuff that they had from what they've been passed on from generations about emotional availability. So most people don't grow up in a house with emotional availability. So one of the greatest things that you can do for your kids, if you have kids, is create an environment where emotional availability is being seen, being modeled, being encouraged. You know, on a couple past podcasts with my son and also with Emma, I touched upon a conflict that we had this summer that we really worked through very well, but I didn't really talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it on this podcast, especially because of the details of emotional availability, because I think that we were all experience emotional availability in this conflict that we had, that made it a really beautiful, deep, healing, challenging experience for all of us. So we went to this movie, The Bruin View, and saw Rocket Man uh, about. Um, Elton John and it was wonderful we really enjoyed it all four of us and at the very end of the movie uh, some credits were coming up on the movie but as they were coming up there was also some live shots of Elton John that were on there and there was a couple people that stood up a couple rows in front of us and my wife was upset and she was like sit down sit down and she had a napkin and she almost threw it and I kind of felt obligated to like, hey, can you sit down? And after that occurrence, we left and went to sit outside and my, my wife said, oh, I really want to talk about the movie. We love to talk about movies when we're finished. Um, my son and Emma wanted to talk about the movie before this incident happened. But all of a sudden, they felt like a shutdown. And my son wasn't very open it was uncomfortable. We decided that maybe it wasn't a good idea to share at a cafe. And my wife got very upset and she was very hurt. And she didn't understand why we wanted to just leave and take away this beautiful feeling. And she started to cry. And um, my son came out to say that his energy really shifted because my wife was really frustrated, especially with my son's energy. He all of a sudden just pulled away. He was not emotionally available at all. He just pulled away from this good feeling that we had before. And he shared that the reason why he did that was he was really upset and sad that we were, in his eyes, rude to the people in front of us. We were embarrassing him in some sense. He felt that we were better than that. And he really felt for the other people and somewhat anger with us that we would be that rude to act that way towards people, to tell them to sit down in that manner with that energy. And that energy really took the connection away from him. And we were all sharing about what was going on for us, but giving each other space to really express hard emotions especially hard emotions to each other before the movie came on it was a theater that had food Emma came in and Xander a little bit late and there was a little feeling of rushiness Rainbow wanted to help them order food and Emma was a little overwhelmed and she really wasn't letting Rainbow in because she was taking care of herself And throughout the whole movie, she said she was feeling guilty of how she treated Rainbow at that moment. So Rainbow felt that energy also from Emma, that there was a shutdown, and she cried about that in the process that we had outside. And Emma owned it, and she apologized, and gave Rainbow space to speak. And we were all being really emotionally available to each other, with all these hard emotions of disappointment, of anger towards some of us, uh, embarrassment and some shame, feelings of also remorse. We were available for all of those emotions. And you know, we could have easily avoided addressing the conflict and avoid confronting it and just mask it and drive home separately, not talking about it, but instead, We processed this and were emotionally available to each other for almost two hours, sitting down at a table outside the theater in public with people passing by. And at times we all emoted tears and we came full circle into loving connection. We exchanged deep appreciations to each other at the end. And we all left knowing something really unique happened. It was actually our first family conflict which our daughter-in-law, Emma, was involved in. For the next three weeks of the vacation, we all experienced a deeper level of connectedness, honesty, and love. We did good on that one. We stayed with it. And people that are emotionally unavailable don't stay with it, they bolt they leave, they withdraw, they stonewall. And we all have that at moments, yes we do, but if it's consistent and it's part of the person's pattern, then they have to decide if they really wanna change, if they want to be emotionally available. They have to have an inquire process to think that it's an issue, that it may be a problem for them, not just a choice because some people choose. They say, I'm not going there. I'm not going to touch upon those subjects. That's not who I am. You know many people in your life that are like that. You may be in partnership with somebody that's like that. If it's a choice that they're not gonna be emotionally available, there's not much that you're gonna be able to do about that if you're in partnership. If the person says yes, it's a problem, it's an issue, I wanna be more emotionally available and more open and express myself and be able to self-soothe myself in uncomfortable situations so that I can be more available to you as a partner. Then there's some promise, then there's some hope, but there's a lot of work to deepen in that. So if you're the partner that is emotionally available, and you want your partner to be more emotionally available, I would say, one, take a real good look at how you're projecting that energy of desire. Is it coming across with blame or criticism or desperation as opposed to some groundiness of desire and love and empathy and understanding the difficulties that that person might have? It's really good if you're able to understand their history of probably why they're not emotionally available so that you can have more empathy for them, but also let them know what kind of relationship that you do want. A lot of people talk about the relationship that they don't want. They're saying, I don't like that we don't talk, that we don't share, that we have nothing to say. That's a reality. That's true. But you can also say to your partner, I want to be able to know you. I want you to know me. I want that level of intimacy between us. I want to be able to understand where you are at moments so I can move closer to you so that we can feel connected throughout our time together, our conversation. I love being curious about you and interested about you. And I want to feel the same way. I want you to feel interested and curious about what's going on for me so that I can feel supported and seen. That's one way of relaying it. You know, there's many ways. So I would just, just put out to you, be aware of the ways that you are relaying. And I know that you probably did good tones in the beginning, but watch the ramping up and the frustration. Sure, it's there. But most people that are emotionally unavailable, are gonna be really unavailable when it comes to escalation of anger and blame and criticism. And of course, a really good trait of being emotionally available is being a good listener. I dive into the subject of the art of listening on my podcast, I think back last uh, September, October. It's so important to be able to be available and present with somebody the gift of giving them attention and your presence so that they can be really known. A big part of listening so presently is, of course, watching your own self-talk, that that doesn't invade in the presence and the awareness and the availability to be curious and interested in what the person is saying. So one way to be very emotionally available to somebody else is also to be a really good listener. My wife is an incredible listener. And one way that she does this is, I think I mentioned it before, she has tremendous eye contact with people. Mm. I love you, babe, for doing that. It's really helped me connect on a whole different level than I didn't before with people. She maintains this level of interest and empathy with her eyes. She hardly ever takes her eyes off of people when people are sharing. And that could make some people uncomfortable. Some people look away. uh, But I think it's mostly just them themselves that how they talk and look away or they might be not just finding their words. I understand that. But some people get distracted and They're looking for the next thing because they have anxiety and nervousness for that kind of presence. They might all of a sudden talk to somebody really quickly right next to them or check out their phone. And they're not allowing themselves to be really emotionally available in the conversation by just presence of eye contact. And some of my other friends that we do exercises with, I would say, uh, the way that we dialogue with each other to be emotionally available to each other. Adley in New York, what's up, brother? I love when we make a phone date and that periodically we're able to check in with each other. And what we do, we give each other 15 minutes each. We have a timer and we say, go ahead, man, this is your 15 minutes, just share. And when it's that person's turn, that they get to just share and speak. And I call it speak your truth and find your truth as you're speaking because there's no interruption. There's very little questions. There's maybe confirmation questions. And that way you get to not be distracted by questions or interruptions or back and forth when the other person brings it back on themselves. And then when that 15-minute alarm goes, the other one gets to share. And then after that, we have a a good dialogue to talk about it even deeper. And I want to be able to do that more with people. I want to be able to have that kind of emotional availability in our relationship to really give each other the space to be open and to disclose and to be known. And I have friends in my life that I do that. I love it. I love my times with My friend Greg, who those of you know on the podcast, and when he lived here, our evenings would just fly. Six hours of just sharing. Two men walking in in a beautiful cemetery that we have here in Asheville, an old cemetery, just to share what was going on with ourselves. And he's wonderful at being inquisitive and interested. I mean, he really brings the term emotional journalist into our relationship. And also, Corey my buddy Coy, who's been on the podcast, he is very reachable. What I mean by reachable is when I I need to check in with him about something, maybe we're doing a case consult with both therapists or just something else that I want to check in, he's available. When I text him or phone him, if he's not available, he makes it very soon. He lets me know that we're going to connect soon. And so I'm able to reach him more in time, than a lot of my friends. And that's a wonderful gift, to be reachable. You, know, you gotta think, are you available to people in your life? And not just because it's an obligation, not just because you're thinking that you should do that, but because you want to be reliable and reachable. And one way to make that also healthy is to take care of your own cup, I call it, right? to really watch the level of your overwhelm so that you can be available for somebody else. You know, most parents, one reason why they're not emotionally available to their kids is because they're too whacked out. They're just too stressed. They're too overworked. So many people that I know, they say to me, I just don't have the energy when I come home. I am so beat, whether it's from work Or whether it's the challenge of your home child-rearing, the challenges of that with the energy output, it's challenging to be emotionally available to your kids. So people that aren't, parents that aren't, they're shorter, they're lecturing more, they're distracted, maybe looking at the TV or the phone, not making eye contact with their kids not just allowing their kids to express what their experience is without telling them whether it was right or wrong or giving them a teaching moment, but to be really available for what your child is experiencing emotionally and validating and trusting that through your relationship that you'll work it through. And I know it's inherent in parents to worry, but when worry becomes the forefront, you're not emotionally available for your kid's experience that's happening in the moment you're too concerned and worry. And sometimes what happens is then your kid then has to take care of your anxiety and your worry. And they try to squash that uncomfortableness. And that's kind of the lesson that you're teaching them in a codependent aspect for them then to take care of you and your anxiety. And therefore less sharing can occur. You know, one detrimental offshoot of parents not being emotionally available is some of my wife's story that she grew up with. Her father was not emotionally available. He was either lecturing her, he was distracted by working and fixing things and not paying attention to the words that she was speaking. So the message that she internalized was, I'm not interesting enough for people to pay attention to me. And as an adult, that can rear its head and show itself when people are being distracted when my wife is speaking and they may be looking away, like I said before. And her internal message of, ah, I must not be interesting enough for this person to have their attention. So I would like to probably change that Nike saying, just do it to go there. Just go there. Relationships, romantic or otherwise, require you to go there from time to time to develop the aspect of deep intimacy. And by going there, it means talking and sharing the ugly truths, the insecurities, the challenges around boundaries. And people that are emotionally unavailable will attempt to bypass this because it, again, feels too unsafe too unsure, too ugly. And if you're one of those persons that does that again, have compassion for yourself. You're probably unavailable for a good reason, but find what that is because it's a safety technique. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just live my life guarded. I don't want to do that. It's not a full life. We have to have healthy boundaries and we have to take care of ourselves. But if there's a pattern of guardedness, we need to understand that and hopefully want to transform that and shift that to be able to have the connection in such a more deeply safe way that can be so exhilarating and so challenging. But that's usually the route that's gonna change and heal the gardeners to be able to put ourselves out, to have the close experiences, knowing that we can have these deep human connections. I mean, I wasn't in New York City right after 9-11, but the stories that I've heard of the way that people were feeling and actually emotionally available for others and their stories and their struggles and sadness that was going on from what i hear new york was transformed those days and part of the world felt that also so just think if we do more and more of that in our lives and this is one way to transform the world by being emotionally available to what's going on for people and ourselves So work on deeply appreciating and loving yourself. Work on those parts of yourself that are challenged. I know it's not easy when I'm looking at the ugly parts of myself, the parts that I don't like, but when I'm embracing them, trying to understand them, to heal them, so I can become more of the human being that I want to be. It's a wonderful journey. Know thyself. Nobody else has ever gone there before. <laughs> Only you can. And then you get to share yourself with somebody else and they share themselves. That's a beautiful life. That's a beautiful relationship. So don't be afraid, especially to tell people, you know, how you're feeling, the care and the love that is coming through you. Practice that. Give that gift to other people. Hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. That song comes to my mind that that I just love, James Taylor song. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are gonna work out fine if you only will do as I say. <laughs> Shower the people you love with love Show them the way you feel Things are gonna be much better If you only will Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, P.C., of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on Licensed Counselor, Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is produced by AuxBus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at auxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. AuxBus.